hey, I'm going to dive right in. I, I'm, I'm going to pastor a little bit more than I am going to preach today just because of the topic. And my wife kind of smirked at me when I say that because at the end of the day, I'm just a preacher. It's what's, what's going to happen. If you'll turn your Bibles to Mark chapter one, and then you can also hold your spot at Luke chapter five. I'm going to give you more scripture than that, but but Mark chapter one. I want you to highlight this in verse fourteen and fifteen. I'm reading specifically from verse fifteen. Jesus came preaching, proclaiming after John the Baptist was arrested. Jesus came and he said, "Hey, the time is fulfilled." Jesus was saying, hey, there's nothing else that has to happen. The time is, is fulfilled. Now, again, I've been saying this, but if he said that 2,000 years ago, then how much more applicable is that statement today? Now that Israel was reborn in a day in 1948, according to the prophet Isaiah, and it came to pass... And in 1967, Israel regained control of Jerusalem. Listen, the time is fulfilled. Nothing else has to happen for Jesus to have his kingdom in heaven and on the earth. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, now we hear of a whole lot about a one-world government and a one-world currency. And, and, oh, the scripture's prophesying this. And, and this culture, oh, this culture, it's as, it's as evil. Oh, Jesus has got to come back. He's got, like, Jesus already came into that culture. There was, when Jesus came and he said the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, he came into a one world government. There was one world, one government, one currency, one empire that mattered at that time, and it was the Roman Empire. He's already spoken into what we're going to see come to pass again. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So here's what he says. I think he's saying it still today. Repent. You better stop living like everybody else around you. You better stop looking at the culture that is. You don't adapt to the culture and blend in casually. Come on, you set the tone of the culture as a born-again Christian. That is what you do. The kingdom is at hand. Repent. And believe. Now, believe is not to just believe that God does exist. You know, I gave you the example last week. It, it, it's like the example of a boat. Like, I don't just look at the boat and believe it is a boat. Like, yeah, that's a boat. It's not a boat. I mean, that was, that's like, that's not believing in God. God, it's not God. God didn't do that. God didn't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, there was a big bang in the atmosphere, and I came from pond scum. Yeah, good luck with that. I may have come from Ponscum, but I promise you she didn't. I'm telling you right now. God made her on purpose. Believing that, that something is a boat and believing in the boat are two different things. Now, now when I think of a boat, my first idea is a, a big camouflage boat with some live whales and a giant gator tail on the back that makes some noise while I'm going to the blind. That's my idea of a boat. Now, I'm going to get in that boat. You pull up in that boat. I'll get in that boat and drive over stuff through things. It can be fun. But I think that this, but, but I saw a video last week of, of a man on the, on the Amazon River, and he was in this skiff. It was a log. It looked like he carved with a knife. I have a picture, actually, of, of what, like, 
Y'all, now that takes some faith. And, and this dude that I saw on, on, I don't even remember what the video was, but my man's standing up in this boat with a stick. Now, I don't know if you've ever fought an alligator with a stick, but there's some things in the Amazon that are unlike anything that we have around here. And I'm telling you right now, now these guys, they'd be like, you know, get, hey, you trust, you get in the boat, we go, to, we go across the river. Like, no, I ain't going no river in that boat. Like, they trust it. And it's the difference between trusting or believing that something is a boat. Uh, trusting and believing that God is God. And then actually repenting and believing in him. Getting in the boat and allowing him to carry you through the terrain. Carry you through life's trials. Carry you through life's tragedies. Last week I, I said this, that the kingdom of God and, and culture will always be, and have always been, at odds. It's still okay to pursue success, and, and it's still okay to give your best to God and, 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 and be successful on earth and in eternity. I, I'm not against those, I'm not against material possession. But I'm telling you, what God wants and what people want will very rarely line up. What my flesh and his spirit desire are, are rarely the same thing. In fact, I said this last week. The gospel goes against the grain. It always goes against the grain of what grows naturally. Okay? And the gospel, as the father would bring the shears and begin to prune off or shave away and clean up, Listen, this is, this is not always an easy process. Jesus never, look, it's the American gospel that says that you, can, that you can sow a certain amount so that you can receive certain things. It's the American gospel that, that Jesus is here to just provide for you and keep you safe and healthy and you never go through anything. To, that's an American idea. Unfortunately, it's not a biblical idea. The gospel goes against the grain of everything that you are. Jesus will challenge you in every way. And listen, it doesn't always feel good. But it's always for the good. Now I've seen, two, I've seen this happen in two ways. And, and don't just hold, hang in here with me for a minute because I'm preaching some things that I've learned. I'm trying to pastor you through uh, things that, that we try to hang on to when we face challenges. Because there's two, there's two decisions, two choices in the middle of a challenge, or especially in the middle of a tragedy or, or a devastation. You can lose faith, and most of the time we blame God, or we can lean in and believe God. Those are the choices. Lose faith and blame God, or lean in and believe God. And I'm telling you, I've seen this happen over and over again. When you lose faith and, and blame God, you, you never see the reason. Or you never even see him bring any reason. But I know situation after situation after situation where something happened that somebody didn't want to experience and they should have never had to experience. But instead of losing faith and blaming God, they leaned in and began to believe God. And after a year or two or ten or twenty, or maybe they just looked back over their life on their deathbed they saw that their heavenly father was sovereign enough to bring reason to the worst of seasons and the worst of circumstances 
That's what it means to believe, to get in the boat. I'm going to preach a message today called, He Still Heals. He still heals, man. I'm going to explain. I'm going to go around because I know there's always questions around. I have questions. And it's not about living in denial. Come on. It's about living in destiny. Luke chapter 5, verse 12. The Bible says, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. An advanced case. Like, he didn't just have some sores. This man had open wounds. He had been sick for a while. Now, we know more about leprosy today than they knew back then. They thought back then that leprosy was a flesh-eating disease. They thought back then that that flesh-eating disease was airborne. Remember when we thought things were airborne and we were all scared to death and then we realized it wasn't really airborne? Because uh, this is what, <laughs> sorry, too soon. Uh, this, is what, this is what was happening. This is what was happening to them. Okay? And so they were, they were scared to death of these people. Now, later, we actually find out later on through modern technology, things that Jesus already knew, by the way. Because God always knows what we worry about. <laughs> He already sees the, the end from the beginning. That's why it's better to really believe in him. Because it's going to be hard enough to try to do it on your own. You're still going to have issues. You're still going to have problems. You're still going to go through things. It'd just be better to just go through them with Jesus than, than even wonder if you may be facing these because of consequences of your own decisions. I'd just rather stick with him. And then I know it's just the devil. <laughs> or just the world. Just a circumstance around leprosy. Leprosy is actually a bacteria, and there were two forms. And one of them was more aggressive than the other. But it was a, it was a skin, it was a topical bacteria. And, and it would cause wounds, and it would cause sores. But what it would really do is it would hit the nerve endings. And so these people wouldn't be able to feel. And where they thought the bacteria or, or the disease was actually eating into the skin, okay, it was really actually just these people not being able to feel when they fell asleep. Animals, rodents, would begin, insects would eat their flesh and they wouldn't feel it. That's why they kept getting sicker and they'd have more and more and more wounds. They wouldn't, they wouldn't feel like it wouldn't wake them up. They would just have things on them. And so that disease and that bacteria, if you can imagine, the infection would begin to spread. People were scared to death of this disease, but it really wasn't even that contagious. Isn't it funny? They were scared to death of something that, that they really even shouldn't, they shouldn't have even really been that afraid of. Sound familiar? And Jesus comes in, and he met a man with an advanced case of this, this leprosy. And when the man saw Jesus, the Bible says he bowed down on his face to the ground, and he begged God. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, a lot of you have prayed that prayer. I know personally, just to lighten it up a little bit, I'm not trying to make light of an actual disease or sickness or illness, but, but I've prayed this prayer personally every time I've had the stomach virus. Every time. Some of you have too. Like, I've, I've told, I, what are you doing? What did I do? Lord, if you are willing, I know you can heal me. And I just praise God. And listen, I'm more afraid of the stomach virus than I was COVID-19. 
I'm, especially in my age group. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make light of that sickness or viruses or the flu or COVID-19 or anything else or the people that have suffered and passed. It's not, it's not the purpose, okay? I'm just telling you, at, at, it was, I was 35 years old when all this was coming to, to pass, and, and, and it was just I had a better chance of getting struck by lightning and dying than I did catching COVID-19 and dying at 35 years old as a semi-healthy individual. And, but, but listen, if you have the stomach virus, you better stay away from me. You have the stomach virus and come to this office, I will shoo you out with oil. I'm telling you right now. You sneeze with the stomach virus, I will spray you in the face with Lysol. Just, just a few weeks ago, and every time we get, I'm telling you, every time we get the stomach virus, like, the whole house is heavy. It was like anxiety and fear just strike our home. It's, you don't want to go in. You don't want to go out. You don't know what to do. You just plead the blood of Jesus and pour olive oil over everybody and believe God for his touch. But little Gabriel man, also known as little Chris, he had, a, he had the stomach virus just a few weeks ago, and and he and his mama woke up at four because you'd have to drive train through my bedroom, wake me up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so he and his mama, he had been up since four o'clock and he had been sick and it was just after and after and after. And she'd give him medicine and it would go down and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And finally she told me this story. She said he looked up at her and he goes, Mama, why Jesus not heal me? <laughs> I know, right? It's a horrible story. But God did heal him. He's okay. He's not still puking. So. <laughs> but I, I just wanted you to imagine with me a little bit. Now, you're going to see it here in just a second. But I, I wanted you to imagine this scene. Advanced leprosy. This guy bows down on his face. God, I, I know if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And, and then the Bible says in verse 13, Jesus reached out and touched him. Come on, have you ever been hiding some flesh issues that you don't want anybody to find out about? Some secret sins, some secret struggles? This guy, this guy had a flesh-eating disease, so he thought. But really, all he needed was one touch. Just, just one moment of confession. And all of his sin and all of his shame and all of his loneliness... All of his isolation and all of his struggle. In one moment at the feet of the Savior, the Bible says Jesus reached out and touched him. you got to understand, nobody would touch this guy. You ever feel like people know things about you, whether they know it or not, and they're trying to avoid you? Or you know something about yourself and you're trying to avoid people because of the, the sins of the flesh and the, the, the issues in your life? This guy got to a place where God could actually do something for him. He got to a place of absolute humility. We didn't care what anybody else thinks or thought or what anybody else did. And he bowed down at the foot of the Savior. And the Bible says that Jesus didn't shun him like everybody else shunned him. Jesus actually leaned in and touched him. Nobody had touched this. His family hadn't touched him. His spouse hadn't touched him. Nobody would touch this guy. And all of a sudden, Jesus touched him. Could you imagine the shock the first feeling of a human touch since he was diagnosed with this disease, you got to imagine him looking up. And then Jesus speaks, be healed. You don't get it any longer. You don't get to carry the shame. You don't get to carry the isolation anymore. Jesus says, I am willing to be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared.
Now listen, we believe in the process. We believe in a holistic approach. We believe in the distance and the mileage that needs to take place. We just did 12 weeks of curriculum where they ended it up with a conference. And we had nine sessions in two days. And if you've never been through freedom, then you need to go through freedom. And if you have been through freedom, then you should have brought somebody with you because Jesus didn't set you free so you could just be set up for all eternity. He set you free so you could serve somebody else to help them get their freedom too. That's ministry. Just inviting somebody along in your journey. The leprosy disappeared instantly. Yeah, sometimes we need mileage, but sometimes we just need a moment. That's why we pray every Sunday. Because we believe God for his best. We pray for healing every Sunday. We pray for salvations every Sunday. We pray for baptism as the Holy Spirit with physical, physical evidence of a prayer language. Speaking in tongues. Why? Because it's comfortable and cool. No, it's weird and scary. But it's in the Bible, so we're going to do it. Because if you see something in Scripture and you don't want it in your life, then tear that page out, set it on fire, and explain to God why you didn't want to believe that part. But as long as I read it in his word, then I'm going to believe it in my life. That's just how we're going to operate. In every aspect of what God has for us, even in healing, I'm not just going to read that Jesus, all he did for three and a half years was heal people and heal people and heal people. He says this to the leper, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses. You know, hey, if you experience real healing, go to the doctor. Let him examine you. Let's let God Reveal himself to somebody else. Take along the offering required and let them see that you've been healed. And this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Verse 15, I love this. But despite Jesus' instruction, apparently he was really good at praying. He just wasn't very good at listening. <laughs> despite Jesus' instruction, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. See, they were interested in what Jesus had to offer. And so they followed him for, who they thought, for what they thought he would give to them. Just like we do when we get frustrated. But I, I want you to see the first point this morning. Is I believe with all my heart that Jesus has a purpose behind every healing. See that testimony that, that spread. That was God's plan and God's purpose. And God reveals his power so that his plan and his purpose will come to pass. Jesus heals to reveal. Watch this video. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. Rabbi, 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 you Rabbi, cannot... Rabbi, 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 if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. 
Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. Imagine the touch of God, the eyes of the Savior, the voice of the Father coming through the Son in that moment. There's several things, a little bit extra biblical, but very probable that took place in that scene. One of the things that I noticed, I just happened to notice, was the excess generosity that happened to come to pass when they realized who they were following and what he was able to do. When you realize who your provider is, you're not afraid to provide on his behalf. And when he asks you, you actually fight to get to the front of giving your absolute best and even your first. I just saw that it was just a, it was just a byproduct. Come on, generosity was just a byproduct of a follower of Jesus. It just happened. The other thing that I noticed in that scene was how Mary screamed. And it's just like a woman to scare everybody whenever she gets scared. Megan and I were talking about this yesterday. We almost, well, well, just we had an issue on, in the vehicle, and I wasn't driving. And something took place, and it doesn't matter what it was, but I was like, oh, hey, 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 whoa, hey, wow. This is when my prayer language comes alive. And then I said, she was like, oh, you know, it was kind of, I said, did you notice what I didn't just do, I didn't scream. Because if I would have screamed, we'd be dead right now. Because that would have scared you too. Versus if I do something in the vehicle when I'm driving and she's sitting in the seat and it's something that she doesn't like, the first thing that she does is, ah! you know, <laughs> what? Stop! Good grief. 
then I don't know if you noticed at the end, after everything was okay, like she was one of the first ones to have a sigh of relief, right? All the guys were still baffled. They didn't know what happened, so they're still trying to figure it out. The woman was like, okay, let's move on. It happened. In Matthew chapter 8, it's a parallel passage to what took place in Luke chapter 5. Jesus heals this leper. Right after that, he heals a centurion's son at just a word. He doesn't even touch him. He doesn't even go to the house. He just heals him. Right after that, he goes to Peter's house. I don't even know if anybody even asked him to do this. He walks in and heals Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's like, what'd you do that for? I didn't even, <laughs> he goes in and I'm not saying he didn't pray or ask him to. He just, that's what happened in scripture. He just goes in and Jesus is just healing people. And then all of a sudden, if you, if, if, if you fast forward, go down to verse 16 in Matthew chapter 8. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. What if demon-possessed people start coming to this church? You going to leave? You going to go to a church that doesn't have demon-possessed people coming in and start manifesting? Like, this wasn't a pretty sight these disciples were seeing. Like, this was a weird church these people were going to. I mean, there was all kind of places where you could have just gone and listened to a nice sermon by a rabbi that made you feel really good about the way you were already living. And nothing supernatural was happening. Nothing transformational ever took place. But man, you sure, you still felt better. You sure felt better about the way that you were before you walked out of there. No, demons, demon-possessed people were being brought to Jesus. The Bible says he cast out evil spirits by shaking them and spitting in their face, spinning them around in circles and screaming at them until the demon came out. No. It's not what he did. He didn't shambock five gallons of oil on their head. That's not what happened. It says, it says with a voice of reason, a simple command. It's a simple command. I want you to understand, we wrote this message, we've been planning this for a while, and I completed it on Wednesday, and I actually preached it on Thursday online. And then yesterday afternoon, young lady, I'm not saying her name, but I'm telling you, experience deliverance right there in the last session of the Freedom Conference. (laughs) And it it wasn't pretty. (laughs) It wasn't scary. If you know who you are in Christ and you remember that there is no spirit that can come against you when you have the spirit of God inside of you, you don't have to be scared. I got to tell you this story. It's hilarious. <laughs> we were, the reason that God prepared me for all these things, and I, I just, yeah, there are some things that frighten me and overwhelm me and I need the spirit of God in. And then there are some things that I'm just, I still need the spirit of God in, but I'm just confident in, in that moment. Like when we were uh, on the Apache Native American reservation and, and this guy came into the, to the um, like overhang awning, this wooden awning that we were having service in with wood chips on the ground. And he came in, he's like, and he's doing all this stuff. And they all start screaming and grabbing him and shaking him and spitting on him and throwing oil on him. And then we did it again. And then we did it backwards just to see if it would help. And he was still just, you know, and finally got him set up on the stage. And I called all our students. I said, hey, come here. Come here. I want you to watch this. They're like, I said, come here. I want you to watch this. Like, okay, I'm going. You can come watch if you want to. And so I got over there, and, and he was kind of sitting there, and I said, hey, man, you just experienced something. And he goes, rah, and I took, you can't do this in America as you get sued. I took my hand, 
popped him on the chest. Great, right there. And he goes, Ugh. I said, stop it. You've already been delivered. Jesus already set you free. We're done with this. Now you got to get up and walk in discipline. It's a simple command. I don't recommend slapping people. That's the closest to, to Smith Wigglesworth I've ever felt in my entire life. Some of you don't even know it. Some of you think I just made that name up. But that was a, it was a simple command. Hey, listen, you can't be scared of what you see in Scripture. It, I mean, you can leave if you want to and, and go to a feel-good place that, that, that just caters to your comfort. But we're going to believe God for who He is and what He says in His Word. And I'm not going to live in denial, but I'm going to live in destiny. And whenever God begins to do things or not do things that I don't understand, God help me, we're just going to keep obeying. Because God didn't call me to understand everything that he told me to do and everything that he says in his word, but he did call me to obey everything that he told me to do and obey everything I see in his word. So I don't have to understand, but I do have to obey. He healed all the sick. It's crazy to me. People who attend church services will pay money to go watch demonic manifestations. Laugh at it. You know how the enemy gets things into our society? Subtly. He makes it funny. You remember the episodes where they first begin to introduce immorality, adultery, fornication, homosexuality? How'd they do it? By making it funny. Just this past week, I'm watching the Disney Channel with my children. Mighty Ducks, a series. Kid has two moms. Turn it off. My moms. Oh, it's so safe. It's so healthy. No, look, I'm not mad at those people. But you're not going to push a demonic agenda into my house. Because God already said in his word, the way that he wants to work, I'm not angry with them. I'm just telling you, we can't be okay with it on TV and not be okay with it in the sanctuary when the sanctuary is the place that people need to be delivered because they're being oppressed and possessed by what they're seeing in other places. Pay for it and watch it and be entertained by it and then be freaked out by it when God wants to deliver somebody of it in the worship center. It doesn't make any sense. Then the Bible says he healed all the people. All the sick, and he fulfilled the word through the prophet Isaiah who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Guys, he's still Jehovah Rapha. He's still the healer. He still heals. Some of you have heard this testimony. I needed God to heal me. If God didn't heal me, I was done. I've needed to see the healing power of God. I've prayed over people that needed to see the healing power of God. I've prayed over people on the other side of the earth that needed to see the healing power of God because the only doctor they had was a witch doctor. In South Louisiana, you'd call it a traiteur. I just stepped in it. But there's one healer, and his name is Jesus, and he's the only one that gets credit for the ability to heal. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against medicine. I'm not against modern technology, and I'm not against prayers in Jesus' name to Jesus, but he is the healer. 
And I've needed to see his touch. I've needed to experience his touch. But he did that to reveal. Watch. He was revealing himself to his people in the book of Exodus. In chapter 15, verse 26, he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh. They wouldn't even say it out loud. The Lord your God and do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments and keep all the statutes. I will not put the diseases on which I brought upon the Egyptians on you. For I am... I am the Lord who heals. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus came to reveal himself as the healer. It's why he healed. Healing was a first move of God. It wasn't a selfish move of God. So that God's people never had to go through anything harmful or, or painful. So that they never had to believe God for anything beyond what everybody else is already going through. No, no, no. Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and announcing the good news. And he proved who he was the same way that Paul did. Not with wisdom and influence and wise words, but by demonstrations and power and the Holy Spirit. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. There's no doubt if you read through scripture, you read through the New Testament, you can't, you can't deny that God is the healer. You can only doubt that God is the healer if what you prayed for didn't come to pass the way that you prayed for it. And by the way, I've experienced that. I've experienced the time that God brought a heartbeat back to one of the people that I love more than anybody else in the world. And then that same person laid in the hospital bed for nine days and passed at the end of those nine days. God, why? I don't know. I don't understand. I don't have to understand and I don't have to know, but I do have to obey. And I can tell you over the last 12 years, I've leaned into God in a way that I wouldn't have leaned into God had that not come to pass and I can see because of leaning in and believing in God that he is beginning to reveal reasons even to the worst of seasons. That's just who he is. We put so much, guys, we put so much into this temporary tent. You know, we pay for gym memberships and some of us actually go. It's like signing up for a small group, you know. It's show up is kind of the key there. We buy vitamins, and, and some of them don't expire before we take them all. Come on, you know what I mean? <laughs> Pay for insurance. Buy guns, praise God. Scared to shoot the bullets right now because they're like $55 a piece, not even a box, a piece. Like, you want to go shoot? No, crazy. What I look like? Bill Gates? I can't buy bullets right now. You got some apple stock you want to share? I'll go shoot your bullets. <laughs> Lock our doors. And I'm not against locking doors because I like my things to stay behind those locked doors. And by the way, if you try to come through those locked doors, I will introduce you to Jesus. And that's not necessarily how I want to. Pray for you right before you meet him and everything. It'd be a great experience. Save you for eternity. Did you know that Jesus said you cannot add one day to your life by worrying about it? Well, that would have been a message for the ages about 2020. You can't add one day to your life by worrying about it. It's not that you're not still going to worry. It's just that 
When you begin to worry, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and then the peace of God which transcends all heart and understanding will transform your mind before Jesus. It's not that you're not, things aren't going to happen. It's just that Jesus said, hey, you can't add a day to your life by worrying about it. It's already been determined. If you're in the righteous, the, the days of the righteous are already numbered by the Lord. And he can extend your days. But I, I'm about to mess some of y'all. Do you remember that time that that guy was sick in the book of Matthew and Luke? His name was Lazarus. He got sick for two days. Jesus didn't go see him. Then he got dead for four days. <laughs> Jesus has six days to do the right thing. He waited too long, right? No, no, no. He showed up right on time. And then he shows up at the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. You know why he said Lazarus? Because if he had just come forth, they'd have had a grave revival. Every dead person within the earshot would have started walking around. What do I do? What do I... It happened too. It happened when Jesus was, was crucified on the cross. Dead people started walking through the city. Where do we go? What do we have? So, yeah. They didn't even have guns to shoot him with a silver bullet. Like, I think that's vampires. Anyways, this. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man was raised. And then as our in-house prayer pastor, Blaine Francois, told us just a few weeks ago, the Bible says that Lazarus went out and all the people began to believe because of what Jesus did for Lazarus. That was the purpose of his healing. The purpose of his healing was not so that Lazarus could just live again. In the same way that he was living before. No, no, the purpose of his healing, the purpose of his salvation, the purpose of his cleansing, the purpose of his resurrection was so that he could go out and show the power of God, give God the glory, and win more people to the kingdom of God. That's why I used him. But I'm about to mess some of you up. You ready? Lazarus, he's dead again. Like, he's not still here. In fact, every person that Jesus healed died of something else. There's a one-to-one -one ratio of death since Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. Every single person that ever lived from that day forward, I think there's only two people in Scripture that I know of. There may be another one that if I haven't studied in depth, and there may be some other in secondarily canonical Scriptures. I'm not sure, but I know for a fact of Elijah and Enoch. The only two people that didn't experience death Everybody else has died of something else. And yet we put so much. Guys, if we limit healing to our bodies, physical healing, we miss the miracle. We miss the true miracle. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 10, just a reference, it's not in your notes. He said, don't be afraid of the one that can kill your body. But be afraid of the one that can destroy your body and your soul in a place called hell. And, and you shouldn't even be afraid, but there's a reverent fear that should come over you that should cause you to follow Jesus in this life because this life is really just preparation for the next life. Because we're going to be there a lot longer than we've been here. Like even if God moves in, and makes your tumor fall off. Like I've like literally first-hand testimony heard. Even if God moves in and takes your shoulder and cracks it back into place in front of people, you're still going to pass from something else. If the fire of God comes down upon somebody... 
like Pastor Glenn Berto and heals his brain when his heart had shut down and there was no oxygen. The same thing that took my daddy off of this earth and healed Pastor Glenn Berto to continue on this earth. You still have one purpose. If you believe it's just about healing the body, you miss the miracle. See, Jesus, this is point number two. This is where we're closing. Jesus heals the body to save the soul. If he can't save another soul by healing the body, I don't believe he's going to heal the body. But if he can save another soul by not healing the body, I believe he'll bring the body home every time. Do you know how many people I have seen receive salvations in a funeral service? <laughs> I can't wait to get to heaven. I mean, I can, you know, I can, but I was looking, I look forward. I look forward. Every time I left my family on a Saturday, and I didn't want to, but I went and shared that message. And I didn't even get to see because I, I'm not there to embarrass somebody else. But, but somebody says a prayer of repentance and they, they pick up the legacy of their loved one and they begin to live for Jesus because of the passing of the person that they loved. Even though they had been praying for the healing of the person that they loved. See, Jesus heals a body to save a soul. He said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Yeah, go ahead. Try that this afternoon. Video it too. That'd be great. I've given you the authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing, nothing can hurt you. It's not that you're never going to be hurt, but it can't hurt you. Like, it, it, this can't take you out. It's not that you're never going to go through anything. You're never going to have some pain. You're never going to have some problems. It's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's what he's saying. Then in verse uh, 20, however, or he says nevertheless, which it just means however. Watch, this is a command. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Really, was that confounding? Demoniac comes in here raving and rattling. I'm going to pray from right here. And then some of our elders and board members and maybe some other spirit-filled people are going to stand up and take that demoniac into Pastor Dylan's office. We'll stay there with them as long as they need us to. Somebody comes in here with a disease, stage four. We're going to pray for them. We have a lady in our church today that is not supposed to be alive. Because of the power of God and some practical principles that she implemented in her life and the way that God used modern technology. Come on, she's still leading people to Jesus. She had a row full of people at the Freedom Conference this weekend. But then other people have passed away. God, why do you do one thing one day and another thing another day? I don't know. I'm not supposed to understand, but I am supposed to obey because Jesus said, don't rejoice in the fact that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice in this, that even if he doesn't heal your body, he can still save your soul. He can save your soul from eternal separation. I'm not going into hell and damnation and the fire, although the, all the, Jesus preached on those things. But I'm not trying to scare you into heaven. Come on, I'm trying to encourage you into Jesus. 
I want you to understand that the greatest miracle of all is not that somebody could be raised from the dead physically, but that somebody could be raised from the dead spiritually. We see the greatest miracle that the Bible has to offer every single service that we have. Because the real miracle is that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now God loves us and he's concerned for us. He, he cares about our sickness and he cares about our health. But it, it, it's not experience and, and logic or science or history that I'm believing in. It's his word. And, and I'm not trying to make his word line up with my experience or my knowledge or my thoughts or my desire, whatever. No, no, no. I make all of those things line up with his word. And when my experience isn't in line with his word, then I just assume that something else needs to be examined because something's out of order in me or in my life. Either that or it's right where it's supposed to be and I just don't understand yet how God's gonna use it, but I still trust him and I still believe in him. Just as a reference, Jesus said this, I will, I will, he promised, I will build my church. No matter how many times the country tries to close the doors of physical gatherings for the children of God, I will, Jesus said. If I have to do it by saving a million people on Easter over the internet, I will build my church. I'm going to, God, it's a promise. So we're not responsible for the building of his church. We're just responsible for whether we're a part of the building of his church, because he's gonna do it. And then he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church, the ecclesia, the governing body. Everybody understood this that Jesus was talking to. But we've made so much out of the building and the experience, and I'm not against the building. I like nice buildings. God liked nice buildings. Have you ever read? about the temple in the Old Testament? Can you imagine how many people are like, I can't believe Solomon used all that gold to line the doors. Can you believe the chalices they're drinking out of? Hypocrites, materialistic oversight. Do you know how many people we could have fed? No, if you were gonna feed people, you'd feed people. God doesn't have to give you more money for you to do more ministry. And if he did, you wouldn't do it anyway. I'm not a good, whoo, I didn't say that in first service. <laughs> Did you know you can make a God out of money by not being willing to spend it? You can be a bad steward of the resource that he's giving you by not releasing it and empowering it to do with it what only he could do with it. It's a both and conversation. Now, yeah, there's some people that are money hungry and that's all they care about. But I can tell you this, I didn't start pastoring churches so I could make more money. But I do want to see people be more generous. And I want to build a building. Why? So that we can facilitate more people and more families and more ministry. And more things being birthed out of more resource. But it's not about the building. It's not about the services. Although I'm for the quality of service. We put a lot into our services. And when they don't go right, everybody else avoids me. They do, I'm telling you. But the church, listen, the church, the ecclesia has always been about Jesus and his people. I, I, I love when God sent me into the hospital and a guy with a broken neck that was never supposed to walk again. We all laid hands on him and the next year he played basketball and made All-American. 
back on the floor again. I, I love what God did in the Balma. There was no music, there were no lights. I mean, we couldn't even see, we couldn't even hardly breathe. Have you ever sat in a Balma? A Balma, a, a Balma is a, is a group of what is called mananas, okay? And these things are houses. They're made of poop and mud on sticks. And then there's a fire in the poop mud house. And I'm sitting in front of the fire of the poop mud house. Have you ever smelled burning poop? Next time somebody rings your doorbell and there's a bag on fire, I want you to take a big lift. Just breathe in the holy aroma. This is a miserable place. Nobody screamed, we didn't even have any oil. Oil. <laughs> Nobody, none of that. Just, just laid hands on the elder of that village. And a man that came in limping walked out dancing on the same foot. God, why didn't, you, why didn't you heal my blind friend when I laid hands on him and believed you for the miracle? I, I don't understand. I don't know. But I do know this, that I want to be a place that people can come to and believe God for his absolute best. I'm almost done. This past Monday and Tuesday, had the opportunity because of the generosity of the people in this church, had an opportunity to pay for our staff, pastoral staff specifically, to go to the Louisiana District Council for the Assemblies of God. It's called the Lead Conference. And, and humbly, I'm going to say this braggadociously, for some reason, Pastor Scott Holmes asked me to preach and I, and I watched Pastor Denny Duran, who is one of my heroes of the faith, preach on Monday night. And I don't remember anything that he said because all I could think of is i got to follow this guy tomorrow night. Now, some of you know this. Again, not braggadociously. I just tend to tell people the older that I get how cool I used to be. <laughs> but I have stood on deck behind Jose Altuve. And I was excited. I wasn't even anxious. And I was standing on deck behind Pastor Denny Duran. And then I had to stand there for 24 hours. It was the worst 24 hours of my life recently. God, please don't let me mess this up. Please don't let me mess this up. Because I know you've given me a word, but please don't let me mess it up. So we were able to go. And by the way, you send us out all over the place. Pastor Weston's going to Colorado this summer to preach at the at two, two states, Utah and Colorado. Rocky Mountain District of the Assemblies of God. He's going to the, for an entire week with all the students from both states coming in. People call Pastor Dylan all the time, Pastor Letitia, Pastor Lydia all the time. They call our office. What is going on in Eunice? We're like, I don't know. <laughs> but I think we do. It's so one Sunday morning. God told me, I want you to lay hands on every chair. Pastor Denny, the, the morning after I preached, we were at a breakfast and Pastor Denny Duran, a hero, of the, God, one of God's generals to me, he stood up in the room, he's asked to speak, he stood up in the room and he said, the reason that we experience what we experience Monday night 
And the reason, and my hero looked over at me and pointed. He said, the reason that that preacher right there was able to do what he did last night. And those people came into the altars and pastors, guys, pastors, ministers, credential, you know, the people that are supposed to be perfect. They came in and had God reignite a fire in their heart for their calling. People don't leave the ministry because they don't know their word. People leave the ministry because they forget their calling. When you know your calling, you don't wonder. Whenever conflict arises, you just keep following Jesus and do what he's already called you to do. He said the reason that that happened is because of a, na- a man by the name of Rodney Duran. It's Pastor Denny's daddy. Rodney is the pastor of First Assembly of God Shreveport, not nearly what it was is today. Before Evangel Academy ever existed, Pastor Rodney Duran used to walk around in that sanctuary and pray. God, open up heaven in this room. Open up heaven in this room. And Pastor Denny said, there's an open heaven in that sanctuary because my daddy used to pace those aisles and walk those corners and plead the blood of Jesus and ask that there be a hope in heaven in this room. And I got back home and I walked around. The reason that you experienced what you experienced at Freedom Conference Friday night and all day Saturday, the reason that there is a little girl walking around delivered today is because I came back to this place and this isn't even anything except for a representation of a mantle and I waved it all over this sanctuary and I said God let there be an open heaven in this room and I said Lord in my living room any place that I walk into let there be an open heaven where I go because I want this church and every church in this city I want your house I want your office I want your car I want your heart to be an open heaven I want this church to be a healing church a church that somebody is broken can walk in here and be made beautiful a church where somebody who is bound can walk in here and experience breakthrough a place where a demoniac can come in manifesting but they can walk out delivered and start doing ministry a place where somebody who is confused in their identity can come back in and experience the touch of God and remember who they were created to be they can become a child of God and foxes that he has for him. I want to be a church where the sick can be anointed with oil and the prayer of faith can reveal the power of Jesus. I want to be a place where the hurting and the weary within a 25-mile radius can come in every week. And experience healing, an open heaven, an invitation to become like Jesus. Would you bow your head, close your eyes? Are you hurting? Are you weary? Are you fighting an uphill battle? Are you isolated and lonely? Are you sick? I want to invite you right where you are. This place has been prepared for you for this moment. Open your hands and just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to blow in. If you are willing, 
I know that you can heal me. If you're suffering a physical ailment, I believe for the power of God to come into this room. And if you don't feel it, it's not because the power of God is not here. As we did with the centurion, God, I pray that you would help us today with our unbelief. But sometimes what you do or do not do has nothing to do with what we do or do not believe. Sometimes it's just your will we have to surrender to. And you're always gonna do what's best for your glory. So God, use us for what's best for your glory. Come on, are you emotionally bound today? Are you struggling emotionally? Are you struggling mentally today? Come on, there's not a prescription. It can help you along, but only the healer can heal you. Only God can touch you. He's the only one that can resurrect a soul from the inside out. The other things can help with the symptoms. Come on. But only Jesus can help with the soul, the root. Are you struggling today spiritually? Confused? Are you confident today of who you are in Christ? Come on, if you're not, you can be. We'll keep praying. We'll keep believing. Your healing may be found in a moment. It may be found in the mileage. I don't know. I just know the one who's going to do it if you'll follow him. Will you surrender your life to Jesus today? Will you confess him as Lord? Will you call upon his name? Would you commit or recommit your life fully to him in this place this morning? If that's you, the church is praying. The church is receiving. The church is believing God for his best and, and trusting him with the rest. But what is the Holy Spirit saying to you if you need today to experience the soul-saving grace of God? I want to invite you to open your hands. The greatest miracle of all. God's about to perform a miracle today. You, we open your hands in a posture of surrender to receive, letting go of what you've been holding on to and receiving what God has for you. Come on, church, I want to ask you to pray loud so that anybody in here or even watching online would have the confidence to know they're not alone and they can confess Him and become part of His family. Come on, let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen, I've been disobedient, I've doubted. Instead of believing, today, I want to change. Would you save me, heal me, cleanse me, and use me to build your kingdom? I believe you shed your blood. You paid for my sin, but you were raised from the dead so I could be born again, healed, delivered, and follow you. Take my life. Make it yours. Have my heart in every aspect. I surrender all right now in Jesus' name. You are Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, praise God today.